welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Stephanie Dabrowski, your anxiety relief coach and healing guide. I help you conquer anxiety with holistic methods by teaching you strategies, tips, and coping skills for anxiety and stress management, helping reprogram your thought patterns so you can learn to love yourself and changing your lifestyle and habits for long-term relief. We will also uncover the roots of your anxiety, traumas, and codependent patterns so you can break free from the anxiety holding you back and live a happier and more confident life. Thank you for being here and spending your time with me today. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Anxiety Ask Kickers podcast. I am your host, Jessica Stephanie Dabrowski, and today I'm bringing on a guest, my friend, Zach Jewell, and he's going to be chatting about a range of things with us. He is a men's mental health and wellness advocate and has his own podcast and nonprofit called Into the Dark Blue, and we're going to be chatting about things from self-discovery to him leaving his corporate job and leaving his job as a youth minister to to what he does now in running this nonprofit, leaving religion for more spirituality and a different relationship with spirituality. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Please take a screenshot of this episode if you're listening to it and tag both me at jessica.stephanie16 and Zach at into the underscore dark blue at um, on Instagram or on your stories. Share this. We would love for you to tag us both. Um, and also, if you have requests for other guests for me to bring onto the podcast, other topics you want to talk about, if you have any questions for me, reviews for me, please use anchors feature to send a voice message to me so it linked in the in the podcast show notes at the bottom there should be a link for you to send me a voice message so i would love to know if you have questions i will feature those questions on the podcast if you have topics you want me to cover um, if you just want to chat with me you can also do that over instagram dms but feel free to send in things via anchor or to leave a review that would that helps me and that helps the podcast so much if you would leave a review wherever you are listening to the podcast so send in your questions send in your reviews and remember to screenshot share and tag us both all right love you lots and i hope you enjoyed this episode all right Hey, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm really excited to have a guest with me here today. Um, And so this is Zach Jewell, and he um, has his own podcast as well. It's called Into the Dark Blue, focused on men's mental health and and wellness. And so I'm really excited to be bringing Zach's perspective and energy onto the podcast today. And we'll be chatting about a whole bunch of things ranging from um, religion to medication to self-development to personal discovery, all of that. And so, yeah, welcome, Zach. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. And so I'd love to start with, like, let's just start with um, your podcast and where, and and your nonprofit as well, right? So you're officially, um, it's officially nonprofit status into the dark blue. And so I'd love to know where that came from for you or how that became a passion of yours and a really big part of your life. 
Yeah, totally. Um, so, man, you know, it's a, it was a series of things. Uh, honestly, I I was a youth minister in my twenties, and um, I've I've always had a passion for helping people and being a part of uh, individual progress and growth, right? Um, and so I, you know, I did the youth ministry thing for several years and uh, I got very disenchanted with the church uh, as, as a whole um, and, and on, you know, kind of a, a core a micro level as well. But um, the, I just got really disenchanted with the church. And so I had to move on into something else and started. So I explored a for-profit work for a little while. Uh, worked for a pretty large corporation for several years and uh, just, you know, I, I, I encountered a lot of people who were very, you know, like lower middle class and uh, having a lot of struggles that they didn't really have the means of dealing with. Um, and so between that and uh, going through a divorce when I was 30 um, and coming out of that, coming out of that relationship, realizing that I didn't have the tools to deal with um, that kind of, uh, life transition, <laughs> um, you know, I had to go out and seek out therapy on my own and kind of come to the conclusion on my own that I needed therapy, uh, when my previous relationship was when the effects of my previous relationship were impacting a new relationship that I was in. Um, I, I that's when I realized, okay, I need to do something here, uh, because I I've got some issues because of this past relationship that I wasn't aware of. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that, and then just me and a buddy of mine one day, we were just kind of goofing around talking about podcast ideas. Uh, my, my friend Josh and he, uh, actually Jordy, who you work with for your yeah. podcast management stuff, uh, her cousin, uh, her cousin's husband. Uh, and so I'm actually really good friends with them. Uh, but Josh and I were just talking one day about starting a podcast and coming up with ideas. And it went from like stranger on the street interview kind of idea to let's talk about guys, things that guys don't really usually get a lot of space to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as we developed the podcast and we did a few episodes, it kind of turned into, well, maybe we can do something bigger with this. Right. Um, and so a few months later, the idea came about to start men's groups and uh, to do them in, in breweries, just basically bit on, on the idea of the podcast being a pub, pub talk and that kind of thing. So um, it all kind of developed from there. And that's that's the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And so are those um, men's like support groups already happening or is that kind of in the future of Into the Dark Blue? So I do a virtual one already, a uh, mm-hmm. monthly virtual virtual men's group on the first Thursday of every month. And uh, that's that information can be found on our Instagram. So anybody who's listening and wants to join in, you can get on there and get our Zoom ID and all that. You can come, ha- come hang out with us. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I'm doing the virtual ones already. And then um, in by, by 2022, in January, we'll be launching um, a number of men's groups around the country. So Oh, yeah. Oh, that's super awesome. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so cool how, because I've been through that personally as well, and all my podcast listeners know this, how it was like the pain and struggle that you went through is what you turned into like your purpose and your passion. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and having gone through that yourself and being like, Hey, well, shit, I don't have, I don't have the tools. I don't have the community. Like I don't have what I need to get myself through these like tough life experiences. 
and then yeah. building that for yourself and then sharing what you've built with everyone else. That's um, really cool. Super beautiful. And so I know that into the dark blue, like you have, um, you're kind of based around a pub talk, right. And you base it around yeah. and the, and then the meetings are going to be happening in breweries. So I'm, I'm just curious where does like this focus on, on beer, like come from for you or like, where, like, where did that desire come from to do that and then carry it forward, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, like craft beer has been uh, a, a journey for me. Like it's, it, it became a hobby. I think when I was, I want to say probably 22, 23, it was pretty early on now that I think about it. Um, and I started learning about beer. Um, I, I actually hated beer. I hated beer when I was younger. Um, yeah. when I, was, oh, I did know, too. I did too, for sure. <laughs> I think cause I was only exposed to like, Pat's Blue Ribbon and like exactly. Coors Light and things that taste absolutely <laughs> terrible, like the big box beers, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I always felt like I was just drinking soggy bread, you know? Um, and so uh, I, but the first time a friend of mine gave me, uh, so so the funny, funny story, but the first thing I tried was a raspberry lambic. Um, mm. It was Oh my the, God. That's the, like juice. The, it's so good. Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. So that was the first thing I tried as far as craft beer. And I was just like, this is not beer. And they were like, yeah, it's beer. And so I was like, okay, well I could get on board with this. And yeah. then that same night, my f- friend that I was with at a place called the flying saucer, it's a big tap room uh, here in San Antonio and there's several around the country. But um, so I tried that. And then I also tried a Guinness that night, big, big gap between the two, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I, yeah, I tried the Guinness and I was just like, Oh, okay. This is, this is what good beer tastes like. Cause it was like <laughs> out of the, it was, you know, on draft on nitro. And I was just like, it was a completely different experience than a bottle of Budweiser. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, I was just kind of hooked after that. And, um, you know, I, I, I just met a lot of really amazing people over the years in breweries, um, and made a lot of great connections and had a lot of really amazing conversations with people about very, um, you know, real life stuff. And that was just always where the real conversations happened between me and other guys. Mm. And so, it just made sense to kind of carry that into what I'm doing now. So, yeah. And so why do you think that is like, why do you think the, those real deep conversations tend to happen in that kind of setting? You know, it's a really, it's a good question. I, I feel like, I feel like those places are just designed for community right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole purpose of their existence. And it's not necessarily about going there. It's a, it's a different thing, I think, to go to a bar or mm. a club yeah. than to go to a brewery or a winery or something like that, where, you know, the, the community, the aspect of community and conversation is much more prominent in a, in a brewery setting. Um, and there's a lot more uh, common ground, I think, to be found in in the art of craft beer. And so, you know, you can you can meet up with somebody that you have nothing in common with, except for the fact that you like the same style of beer. Right. Um, and you can have a conversation over that. And and that gets the ball rolling a lot of the times uh, to get people connected on a deeper level. Um and so uh, I, I think that there's a lot to do with that. And then also the the independent breweries as well are so invested in their communities, which is something that um, I really admire about that that industry um, is that they they want to make a positive impact in their communities, not just 
most of them are not just there to sell beer. You know, they're trying to do something good as well um, and be a presence in their community that's actually going to help drive progress. Um, And so I think that kind of business model just kind of lends itself (laughs) to that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. And I I love how you're um, incorporating that as like your base to help build larger communities and and deeper ones really on Mm. um, like in the space that you're creating with Into the Dark Blue. So that's really awesome. And so I kind of want to now transition transition into getting a little bit deeper into your own um, your own personal journey. And so what did that process look like for you, for you to start, you know, holding more space for yourself, getting to know yourself more, I mean, really connecting more deeply with yourself, right? And that being a huge part of your transformation in your mental and emotional and like overall well-being. So what kind of, where did that, where did that start or what were parts of that process that were really important for you? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I, so in my twenties were chaos. <laughs> um, I, I was, so basically, like I said, I was in youth ministry and then I was also married. And so, um, between those two things, uh, just for different reasons, there was not a lot of self-care happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, stressed out and short fused and, um, very unhealthy, even though I was eating like a mostly like vegetarian diet, it was not healthy vegetarian food. Um, I was, (laughs) um, constantly working, constantly like trying to pay bills, trying to, you know, um, just stay afloat essentially. Um, on top of dealing with some, you know, pretty tumultuous like relationship things. And, uh, and so there was just a lot of stress. And so the minute that I disconnected from that and uh, moved from Texas to Seattle uh, for, for a job, um, I, for the first time in probably ever in my life, I was completely alone. Mm. Like, I didn't have any friends or family in Seattle. It was just me. And so um, that silence, like there was this moment where it was just like, it was really difficult to be by myself and, you know, being apart from my, my wife at the time and all that, uh, all that happening. um, It it was, it was like culture shock essentially. Um, But I very quickly found some peace in that and being able to be in a space where it was just me and it was silent and I didn't have any obligations and I didn't have anything that like was expected of me other than to just show up at work. (laughs) Um, Just that was the beginning of all of it. I think for me, because I realized at that point that there was a lot that I had been missing out on in terms of taking care of myself for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so when I moved to Seattle, I was 120 pounds. <laughs> I was uh, uh, definitely, you know, dealing with a lot of stress and things like that. And um, I just remember when I drove my car from, I, I went to pick up my car from Texas and I drove my car from Texas to Seattle. Um, and the first for the first time in a really long time, I had people in my life who were commenting and telling me that I looked happy. 
And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> that's kind of a big deal. Cause like yeah. nobody's told me that in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was definitely a big, big part of that, that beginning to self-care. Yeah. That's amazing that even just in those first, you know, few weeks, right. I'm assuming after leaving Texas and that you, that people were starting to see that in you, right. Seeing that like hint of that hint of freedom. And I'd, I'd love to speak to, I'd love for you to speak to some of those expectations that you feel like you were getting trapped by, um, that you were able to break free from by like, you know, focusing on yourself. So what did some of those expectations for you look like and and feel like, and what was the struggle with those? Yeah. Um, I mean, man, so many, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know, right. Let's just list off all of the ways in which society and our parents and our families expect our religion. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just, I feel like pretty much everything I was doing was out of, out of expectation. Yeah. Like external expectations. Um, and I mean, you, even struggling in my marriage, it was like, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like, okay, well maybe this marriage isn't right. It was, how can we fix it? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, because we're married and that's what you do. You stay married. Right. So how do you stay married? What do you do to stay married? And so trying every little thing you can to, um, to fix the marriage, you know, um, there's an expectation in that, even when I think both of us knew at a certain point that it wasn't the right thing for us, uh, probably pretty early on too. Um, you know, and then working with the church as a youth minister, there were always expectations in terms of like behavior and like these underlying, like, you need to be this way. You need to say these things. You need to not say these things, you know, all of that. And then trying to hide certain things because I thought, uh, that, it was going to be looked down on, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of maybe going out drinking with friends for the night, you know, cause I, I became a youth minister very early. I was 20 when I became a youth minister. Um, and so I hadn't even grown up yet, but I was all of a sudden expected to be in group in charge of a group of kids, you know? So I went from high school essentially to being an adult and taking care of these kids and being expected to kind of like, take that on and have it all together pretty quickly. Um, and so, you know, a lot of those growing up things I didn't get to experience. And so when I did experience them, I felt this shame around it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like there was something wrong with what I was doing. And so I was kind of living two lives because I was, you know, I was living with my girlfriend, um, who became my wife. I was living with her and she was, um, atheist and, I was, you know, a, a church youth minister and all this stuff. And so there was just, there was just a lot wrapped up in there. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just, I mean, when it comes down to expectations, I feel like um, they're just everywhere, um, you know, and, and we're never in a young age, especially told or rarely anyway, that we should do what we want. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that, that, and you know, you and I, you and I talked a little bit previously about the core self, you know, and I love this comment that you made when you and I were talking off, off the episode about the core self, um, or at least I think you mentioned that actually on the episode you did with me for my, my podcast. Um, I connect with that so deeply because, you know, we, I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that we all have that core 
that core self, you know, and, and these expectations and things, they, they add those layers that you talked about um, as well. And so, um, yeah, I just, I, I feel like everything is an expectation and rarely are we told, no, find yourself, no, be you do, do what you want to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when I got that first taste of freedom and that first taste of just like solitude, like true solitude, um, that's when I realized like everything and everyone was wrong. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's my super, entire life before that. Yeah. That's super powerful. Right. And that must've been like probably a mix of like freedom and happiness and like, holy fuck, my entire previous life was like a lie. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's like yeah. hitting that. Um, it sounds like that was the kind of experience you were in when you moved when you moved to um, Seattle and I really appreciate you sharing like all these different aspects, right. In the church and your relationships from other people, like all of these different places where there was that pressure. And I definitely mm -hmm. felt that pressure too. in in my own career, when I was um, studying to be like an earth scientist, when I like in my own family and in my own household, yeah. in previous relationships yeah. before this partner, it's just so much, um, pressure that society or families like puts us in like we're it's I'm making for anyone who's listening I'm making this box motion right now the squishing motion <laughs> um and it's and it's like all of these layers that everyone else tacks on right hey you need to act this yep. way as a youth minister you need to act this way as a husband you need to act this way as a woman or a man that all are not true to our core selves and our true selves and all these layers mm. that make us feel anxious, that make us feel depressed, that make us feel like we're not, we're the ones that aren't good enough or we're the ones that should be fitting in. Whereas yeah. that's not true. It's not true that we need to, we really don't need to change anything about ourselves or anything about the way that we like say or act, unless we're actually hurting someone directly, you know, the, then that's, right. that's, yep. that's something that should be adjusted. But I believe in, everyone having the freedom to be themselves. Right. And that, that may be yeah. hard for someone to even know. It's like, well, I don't know what makes me happy. I don't know what <laughs> freedom to be myself feels like. And so I want to ask like, what did that initial like feeling like yourself feel like, or when did you know that that was, that that was you, right? Cause I, I talked to a lot of people and I think a lot of people listening or might be in that in between space where they're like, uh -huh. I know something is wrong. And I know, like, I mean, that feeling of not good enoughness and I feel that pressure, but they may yeah. not know, hey, this is me and this is what I want. So how did you, like, what did that finding yourself and discovering yourself and coming home <laughs> to you really feel like and look like? Um, I mean, I'll be honest, it didn't look good at some time, at certain yeah. points. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's and this is another thing in that transition period is that is allowing ourselves the grieving process. Yeah. Grieving your old um, self, right? It's like, yeah, you're losing absolutely. parts of your parts of yourself, but they're not the true you. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Like you're shedding, you're shedding those layers that were added on by all of, you know, the expectations and the, the self self protection and things like that. Um, you know, and, and all these things that you've built up as your identity over the years, um, to essentially like cope for like what everybody wanted, everybody wants you to be right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there were points where it didn't look good. You know, I would spend like days, <laughs> um, just 
by myself essentially like in the dark uh watching movies um and things that you know i i didn't have time or opportunity to do for so many years you know um and i would i would um also just like disappear in, into the woods uh, for for a day and go hiking which was amazing you know and um it, you know there were definitely uh it, it's hard to say that there was any one <laughs> uh point where I realized that it was happening or whatever, but, um, I, I can say, I do know things were different. Um, when I was on that drive back to, uh, back to Seattle and I stopped at, I pulled off and stopped at uh, Shasta Lake in Northern California. And I went down, I don't know why, but I just went down this random road little side road. I was like, okay, well the lake is down there and that's a road. It looks like it leads to the lake. So I'm going to take it. Mm -hmm. So I drove down this road and it ended up being like just a really rough dirt road in my little Honda, Honda Accord that I was driving at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found a spot with this beautiful overlook of the lake and I got out of the car and like, I just, I sat there and I took this huge deep breath and it was the first time I felt like I had gotten a, a true breath of fresh air, <laughs> literally mm -hmm. and figuratively in a very long time. Yeah. And like, I, that was the moment where I realized things were different and that my life was about to really change. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, finally you had enough space for yourself to, and like almost the sense of safety, right. To breathe. It was like, Hey, yeah. I'm finally like, it's just me. No one's going to say anything wrong about like what it is that I'm doing or that I shouldn't be here. It's like, Hey, it's just me. I don't have to listen to anyone else. And that gives you the space to breathe and yeah. also the space to be there in the present moment. Right. Instead of thinking <laughs> about um, a relationship that may not be going super well, or thinking about like the way that you should be acting like in the youth ministry or, and, and all of that, it was just space that yeah. you were giving yourself. And I know for me too, exactly. hiking and spending time outdoors is a huge part of, of my life now. Um, and I'm actually making a point of every, I didn't do it last week, so I'll have to make up for it and do two this week or next week. Um, but every week during this warm season, I want to hike a mountain um, nice. by myself. And yeah. so, um, yeah, just connecting to yeah, connecting to nature and like dedicating time to be on your own and literally just be with yourself, even if it doesn't yeah. mean doing anything like there, there doesn't always have to be a goal. I think just yeah. creating that space for yourself is, is super, super important. Um, so yeah, that's that. Definitely. Thank you for, for sharing that. <laughs> and, and also pointing out that it's not always pretty. Like sometimes it looks like, you know, disappearing with yourself, like in, um, just like watching movies, like in the dark or just like being in the dark in, in your own space for a few days. Like it yep. doesn't always look like this happiness and this freedom and this ease. Like there's a, there's a grieving process that happens there. And there's like a, yeah. just allowing the space for the sadness and the anger and the frustration and the, what the fuck is going on? Feeling. Like, I don't even know what that <laughs> yeah, emotion yeah. would be called. Right. I, f I feel like, I feel like Instagram and eat, pray, love made the process just look so, um, it's not pretty glamorous. <laughs> yeah. It's not glamorous, like self-discovery and learning to be learning to listen to yourself versus listening to everybody else. So that mindfulness yeah. process, that self-discovery process, that coming home to you 
shedding the bullshit process is not pretty. There are definitely parts of it that like, once you get there or along the way, feel really great. Like you feel yeah, that there are moments, you feel that sure. ease. you feel the deep breaths and like just the peace. Yep. But it's not like, yeah, it's not, it's not glamorous, <laughs> not pretty because I have so many, and I'm sure you have heard this too. Um, so many people that I've spoken to are like, well, am I fucking up? Am I doing something wrong? Like, this is really painful. Like I'm yep. super emotional or I'm experiencing this or that like, but that is part of the process, right? It's part of the yeah. healing and personal development journey are those like those lows are part of it. It doesn't mean you're messing up. It's just, yep. it is part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the, the really cool thing in that process is like the, so the company that I was working for, it's very common for people to be very kind of, kind of cutthroat and cold, like stone cold kind of, you know, just in the way they are uh, very just to the point. Um, and so it's really in interesting. in a corporate setting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, in operations, that kind of thing. And so, um, very different kinds of personalities in that. But uh, I, I found though that um, being open with people about my process and like what I'm dealing with actually open can open some really surprising doors. Um, and so I actually, I remember having a conversation with a uh, one of my, you know, superiors or whatever, he was, you know, pretty, pretty high up in the chain and we were standing outside one next to each other one day. And, um, he basically was just like, he just asked me if I was okay. Mm. And I was like, and it, and it was like, it wasn't just like a passing, like, Hey, you doing all right. It was like, are you doing okay? You know, it was like actually yeah. legitimate. He wanted to know how I was doing. And I was like, yeah. and he opened wow. up that space for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like in that moment, I told him what was going on in my life. And I hadn't really talked to anybody about the fact that I was going through a divorce while I was starting this, this new project up in Seattle. Um, and there was a lot of like a lot of pressure, a lot of stress in that project as well. And so, um, you know, I told him what was going on and he was just like, um, kind of a gruff guy and kind of, you know, uh, closed off in a sense. Um, but in that moment, he, he was like, you know what, I'm dealing with something very similar right now. I understand. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> okay. So if you just tell people what's going on in your life, they, they can meet you where you're at and they can actually mm -hmm. like be there for you, you know, and yeah. they can, yeah, it, it's just, it's an amazing feeling to, to have that realization that you don't have to keep it to yourself. <laughs> you don't have to deal with these difficult moments and these grieving processes on your own. Um, mm. And so that was definitely a really big lesson for me. Yeah. And it's, I think we're so afraid of being judged or like, and feeling ashamed for where we are at, right? If we don't have it all together, we don't have it all perfect. Yep. And we're going through crap in our relationships or our personal lives or with our jobs or whatever. And we're afraid to share that because it'll make us look weak and like we aren't able to handle it. Right. But it's actually so much more powerful to let that vulnerability come to the surface. And I know in, in me sharing my, my own story, even with like with clients, it allows them to open up more. And, you know, they see me as like, Oh, having it all together. It's like, but when I share the times that I feel low, because those low moments 
are just part of the human experience. Like we all experience them as humans and rather than hiding them, it's when we open up, it's, we get to bond over them and we get yeah, to absolutely. support each other over it instead of, and, and if anyone is going to, like if that person, for example, if this uh, person you worked with, your colleague like said, oh, that sucks or why don't you have it all together? It's like, that's that's probably coming from him also judging himself, right? right. And anyone who's going to be mean to you around vulnerability that you choose to open up with, like it's not because you shouldn't have opened up that vulnerable, that vulnerable space. It's, it's because they have their own shit to deal with. Yeah. Too. They might have their own crap going on <laughs> and they just aren't able to hold that space for you. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. Thank you for giving everyone listening, you know, the permission to, to be vulnerable, even if it's with yeah. their colleagues or their bosses or um, the friends and that more often than not, you're going to get someone who's going to say, Hey, I, I understand, or I'm going through something similar, or it's not exactly the same, but I hear your pain. You know, yeah, and that yeah. in itself well, is powerful. And, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've I've learned also that people are much more willing to give us grace in those moments in our lives than we realize. Yeah. Um, you know, and when you're struggling and you know it's impacting your work or it's impacting your relationships with people, if you tell people what's going on and like why this result like where this result is coming from <laughs> they're often going to be like oh why didn't you tell me you know we I, yeah. we can work with you i can do something to help you like you know there there are options here right yeah and so um yeah and it, if nothing else it it just prompts them to check in with you because they know something's going on like you know and so a lot of times people will just take those moments and say, Hey, are you doing all right? Has anything improved? Are, you know, those sorts of things. Um, people want to help. They want to be there for others. Um, and as much as, as much as we've got this, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of mentality still, I think from the, from the what 1930s, forties, you know, and everything that came as a result of, I think a lot of the industrial revolution and all that, um, the, it, it people want to help yeah you know that that societal expectation is is not real and nobody on an individual level wants it to be real and so breaking that breaking out of that and telling people what's going on in your life can really drive a lot of progress individually and you know with others as well yeah i like to say that vul vulnerability breeds vulnerability Yes, for sure. Um, and I don't know if you're aware, you might be aware of like Brene Brown's work, right? Like, so her mm, yeah. work has been really impactful for me, right? And it's all about how even like as leaders, so me leading my own team in my own business or me being that example for other people, like the more that I am vulnerable, the more it allows other people to do so. Um, yep. And I, I love that you brought up, you know, this societal expectation and this pressure that we've been feeling, right? From whether it's from, you know, carried down from our like grandparents and carried down for over a hundred years of, hey, you need to like toughen up and that's how you get through it kind of thing. And don't share, yeah. don't share it's anything the, and keep it's it all that in. Great, it's that great depression mindset. Yeah, still with us. which <laughs> which might have helped. Like that definitely helped humans get through that really hard time. Absolutely. I think that that's where it comes from. And I know for me, it was really hard being vulnerable because when I was like, I, I did get hurt. I did get hurt by people who were hurtful, right? Mm. Whether it was ex-partners, whether it was my own dad, like, and 
that that can make us think that like everyone is that way, but it's not true that everyone is here out to hurt you. Like the truth is that there's way more love and grace out there in the world. Um, And once we're open to that and also able to give that grace and love to ourselves, right. Then we can, can, we can receive it. Yeah, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit um, because this is a topic that, I know that you can definitely speak to, and I want to be sharing more of on this podcast. And just, I think we need to be talking about it more in the world in general um, is, you know, with these expectations and with this pressure, the pressure you are feeling from, you know, from the church, from Christianity. Like I also, I was raised like Roman Catholic and now, you know, I only go to church to make my mom happy on Christmas kind of thing. (laughs) Um, I'm very much have a very different relationship with spirituality. And so I'd love to have a little bit of a conversation around why you felt like disenchanted from the church and what that kind of pressure felt like and how you changed your own relationship, like with spirituality and what that did for you. Yeah. Wow. Um, that I know, was... big topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. So I, I want to say like for most of my life, even when I was younger, um, I always felt a little weird about some of the things that were taught in the church. Mm. Um, you. you know, and like the Bible would say one thing, but then, you know, it would come across in a different way or they would teach different, like the opposite thing even sometimes. And, um, or people wouldn't be able to make sense of certain like biblical things, right. Where you would ask a question and they would just be like, I don't know. You just have to have faith. And it's yeah. just like, that doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah, so you're um, one of those curious kids who like ask those questions. You're like, hey, why isn't this connecting, you know? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and so, uh, you know, I I was in all the indoctrination for a long time. I was going to, to the retreats and the revivals and all that, you know, all the little like youth conferences and stuff and where they taught, you know, purity, the purity stuff. And um, it was just so many... Uh, so many toxic and destructive things for teenagers um, just under the guise of religion that was basically, um, you know, man-made. It was, it was man-made stuff. That's not actually biblical. Um, And uh, so anyway, yeah, I, in my, in my twenties, while I was doing youth ministry, I was also going through college um, and I had, um, specifically, I remember being in a history class where I was sitting and we were reading uh, Columbus, Christopher Columbus's letters to the queen or whatever. Um, And the history professor was talking about how those documents were altered by the queen to make uh, Spain look more favorable. Right. Uh, Like she had those documents altered. So Spain came out on top essentially. Um, and so I was like, and I asked the question in the class, just not really thinking about it at first. And I was like, I was like, so if we, if we can't trust these historical documents that we have to be, to be real, to be factual, how can we trust any historical document that exists? Mm. And I said that (laughs) and almost immediately I was like, fuck, (laughs) 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 like, that's my entire life. Like my entire life has been trusting a historical document that has been changed, altered, translated by Mm -hmm. humans, right. By different cultures, by, you know, 
monarchs that wanted to have their way, you know, by so many different things. And so I was like, okay, I should reevaluate. (laughs) So, you know, um, and I had already been over the years learning about, you know, different religions, uh, specifically connected with Buddhism. I really, I really, uh, love Buddhist philosophy, um, as a way of life, uh, not as a religion, right? Because, uh, that's, that's one thing for me that, um, I, I like to clarify because a lot of people don't understand that Buddhism wasn't ever intended to be religion, mm-hmm. um, but more philosophy, uh, philosophy in a way of life. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah, so I connected very, very much with Buddhism, um, and started realizing there were a lot of parallels between Buddhism and Christianity mm-hmm. um, and, you know, other major world religions in general. And um, so, yeah, I, it, that was kind of the beginning of, of that journey. Um, and just, and then just realizing that the church doesn't really do a lot of what it could be doing mm-hmm. for the community, um, seeing churches, parking lots, empty six days out of the week. Um, you know, when they're just, they have kitchens where they could be serving homeless. They have, you know, all these resources available to them and they're doing nothing with them except having church on Sunday mornings or whatever. Um, and so that just, that just became really difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I then was at a party what one of the church members was throwing, uh, one of the kids' parents was having a party at their house. And there was like a punch, like an alcoholic punch. And I was like, I really want to have some of that. Right. Um, and by then one of the kids I had kind of become friends with, cause we were pretty close in age. And, um, I was like, man, I really want to have some of this. And, but I don't, I don't know what people are going to think of me. And he was just like, so do it, <laughs> you know, like what's, what's it going to do? What's it going to change? You know? And so I was like, that's a good point. So, uh, one of the kids said that to you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and he was in college by then. And like I said, like he was actually helping me out. Right. Yeah. He was one of the kids. Um, uh, but anyway, so he was just like, yeah, it's not gonna, I mean, what, who cares, who cares what anybody's going to think of you, like have a drink, you're old enough, you know? And so I was like, hell, you're, that's, that's a good point. Um, so anyway, that moment changed my perspective so much on, in terms of like expectations versus, you know, um, reality. And so, I really shifted my focus from that day forward in how I was as a, as a youth minister and started being much more real with kids instead of being how I thought I was supposed to be with them. Mm -hmm. I started showing my true self and like being more vulnerable with them. Um, And it changed, it completely changed things. Um, When I, when I took away all of the religion and um, was real with myself (laughs) and real with them, um, you know, the kids started opening up to me more too, you know? And so, and as I started doing that, I was, uh, the pastor at the church at the time, she got on to me one day because I served the kids communion, um, for, uh, during a retreat or something, I served them communion and she was just like, well, that, that, that sacrament wasn't blessed. I didn't, I didn't bless the sacrament. So, you know, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. And I was just like, what? Like, why, why am I not allowed to do that? Why can't I show these kids like, you know, the, the, um, uh, 
the practice of this, right? Um, and it, it was just all of this very authoritarian mm-hmm. kind of stuff that yeah. I was just like, this does not seem godly to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Which is, I was looking at that contrast, right? Between like structured religion and specifically Christianity versus the philosophies and the teachings of Buddhism, right? It's like there was the authoritarian power kind of struggle happening in Christianity uh-huh. and in the church. And I totally felt that too. It's just like, Oh, believe this because have faith. And I told you to believe it. Right. Or I yeah, told you to do yeah. it this way, or I told you to like kneel at this time during mass. Right. Yes. Um, and you're supposed <laughs> to go to mass on these holidays. And so, I mean, for me, I was raised Catholic. So it was very much more, it was very, very ritualistic. Yep. Right. And that is so different from ritual and liturgy. Yeah. What that is, <laughs> that is so different from the core of, like being a moral human. Yep. Right. And being like connected to other people and yep. charity and, um, and like supporting and love. Like it's, it's just like power and, and love are two very, very different things. Oh, absolutely. And like Buddhism is much more on the side of, Hey, everyone is an equal human and there's no difference between any of us. Yes. We have differences, but we have way more things alike and there's way more things for us to, bond over and learn from each other rather than like this power structure that yes. a lot of organized religions have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of the beginning of, of my, my transition there, honestly, like, um, and so when yeah. I was 26, I left the church and uh, moved to Fort Worth with my, my ex-wife and um, I haven't been back to church since. Yeah, actually, so, I've been. So what I've, is, I've, sorry, what is your relationship like with spirituality and your like, and it's also that's also going to be tied to yourself, right? So, what does that kind of relationship look like for you now? Yeah, uh, it, you know, I honestly I feel closer to God now yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, than I than I did um, when I was really involved in the church. Um, you know, I I I now make regularly make space for myself, um, to connect, um, with, with my, with myself, <laughs> uh, with my spirituality, um, and really just, just try to continue to like, always be aware of like, I think just the beauty of nature and the connectedness of everybody mm-hmm. and finding God in that. Yeah. Right. Um, and so like that, the whole idea of interdependence. And I, I do believe that like, if, if there is a divine, you know, deity, uh, an existence, you know, a presence, a divine presence, um, that, that is within everything and outside of everything at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so it's just always remaining connected to that and reminding myself that like, my actions impact other people, mm-hmm. right? Um, their actions impact me. Um, and that's where I find my spirituality now, I think is, is understanding that, understanding that interdependence and trying to constantly keep in mind that um, every action has a reaction, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I really do think that, that God is in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing like what your relationship like with spirituality and and God and the universe looks like for you right now. Right. Because I know that for me, that transition from 
practicing Catholicism, did all the, all the sacraments, all of the, all of that stuff, went to Sunday school every day since <laughs> like from the yep. age of like six to 13, whatever. And, um, how I kind of, after that went, I was just very disenchanted with, with church and religion. And I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm atheist. And like, no, there is no God, like, there's no way he would have given me this kind of life. Like, there's no, like this, no, don't believe it at all. Like I went like yeah. that kind of route. Um, mm-hmm. And then as I started connecting more to myself, right. Meditating more, spending more time on my own, started this shedding all the layers and coming back home to myself process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, spirituality at that time started to become bigger online. Right. And I think a lot of times we see spirituality now as like, a mix of like witchcraft and crystals and full moon, like worshiping and stuff like that. And I was like, but that's and, and not living me. our truth. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but that's, but that's not me. I was like, I, I mean, I love wearing crystals cause they're pretty, but like, I don't, I don't know what the meaning is behind them or I don't really like, I just have started now using um, tarot cards more, but like, like I wasn't in that pocket, uh-huh. right. Of spirituality, which is almost in and of itself, like this organized, pressure expectation package of spirituality. <laughs> yeah, right? And so I think for sure the important thing is here, right. And you realize that for yourself. And I've realized this for myself too, is that it's important to, for everyone to find their own relationship and their own version of connecting to God and spirit and the universe or whatever name or whatever mm-hmm. thing you want to believe in or call it, right. That that doesn't really matter. And yeah. it's more about well, what feels really good to you and what feels true to you and what's supportive to you. Yeah, right. For sure. um, and that we all have the same core of realizing like, Hey, this is time to connect to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's our time to reflect, to be really aware and to be really mindful of our relationships to other people, to the world around us. And it's that like grounded state that like spirituality yeah. really is that all religions share and all forms of it externally share and that you don't it's it's I think we need to move towards more inclusivity right with spirituality mm-hmm. and, yep. and religious practices versus like this exclusivity that we both experience and that a lot of people experience. yeah yeah definitely yeah I mean I, I and then you know the thing is some people find some people find that in structure right mm-hmm. some people some people yeah. don't can't can't find that spirituality outside of structure because they don't have the um they just don't have the the personality or the tools to mm-hmm. seek it and and um sit with it on their own right yeah. they they need to be guided they need to be you know and we all desire that we all i think on a certain level we all desire to to have spirituality you know yeah. um but some of us just don't know where to find it unless we're told, (laughs) you know, um, which is fine. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. Um, But I think it's really important to understand your relationship with harm and be able to acknowledge that if something, if you don't believe that causing harm is okay, then you need to evaluate the system that you're involved in and the harm that it may be causing to others. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't believe in causing harm, but you're involved in a system that regularly causes harm to others, you need to reevaluate essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and 
a lot of these religious systems cause so much harm to communities and individuals, um, and they have for centuries, right? Um, and those systems are so broken from their original intent that they're no longer really effective in building a spiritual structure. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you, you know, pointing that out, like the, the multiple points, right. Of, Hey, it's okay. If you can't find that spiritual connection for yourself right at this moment, or even ever, right. If you want that more, more structure to it, but also recognizing where there may be faults in a lot of structures and a lot of systems like organized, organized religions and organized spiritual systems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like we can talk on this topic forever, but I also <laughs> don't want this podcast to be like an hour and a half. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I we, would, could, we could do a series on spirituality. I'd be totally fine with that. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually have that planned. I wrote in my journal, I think two days ago, I was actually just started talking with Jordan on it. Um, so she's oh, my cool. podcast manager and she also yeah, yeah. works with you, Zach. Right. And, um, she's the one who brought us together, which is super cool. Shout out Jordan. Um, yeah. Shout out to Jordan. Jordan's super awesome. Um, you're listening to this cause you're editing my podcast. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm actually going to be recording a, and I pro- I'll probably throw this into the series, but I'm going to be doing a series on, um, on spirituality. That's probably also going to dive into like finding yourself. Um, and is going to wrap into like a series on like on sex, on sensuality, on finding yourself, on transition away from like oppressive structures to more of yourself and religion totally gets wrapped up in there in the sex and shame Mm -hmm. talk. So yeah, yeah. I want to kind of end this podcast though with just any any advice um, that you want to share with anyone listening who is on that journey of shedding the old and finding themselves and what, you know, if you could give advice to yourself four or five years ago or something like that, or to that person who may be where you were at four or five years ago, what would it look like? Oh, you know, I don't know. It's so, it's so hard to say because it looks so different for everybody. Um, But I would definitely say that, the most important thing is to stop listening to everybody else mm-hmm. um, and learn to listen to yourself. Yeah. Um, because the fact of it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you talk to. It doesn't matter what advice you get from somebody else if you're not ready to, ca- to take it. Mm. So I think the biggest piece of advice I would say is to take some time and get to know yourself yes. so you can understand what you're ready for, what changes you're ready to make. Yeah. And so that process of getting to know yourself, like are there specific um, tools? I mean, we talked about nature, right? We talked about literally Mm. just like getting up and fucking moving your life. So that's a way to do it for (laughs) sure too. Um, And so what are other um, practices or other things that for you, like helped you create that space so you could listen to yourself? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is honestly, um, just making changes. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell yourself all day that you want to, you want to do this. You, you think you'd like to do this. You, yeah, it, it, talking is one thing doing is another, Mm. (laughs) right? So I think I would say, um, the, the biggest thing is actually starting to take steps, Um, and not just sitting stagnant because as long as you're stagnant and sitting, like 
marinating in the things that are holding you back from being who you need to be, um, nothing's going to, there's not going to be any progress. Um, and so I think it's just all about very intentionally taking steps forward, um, setting goals, even if they're small ones, um, to start making those changes in your life. Even if it's, even if it's just, I want to make my bed every day. Like I listened to this amazing talk and I'm sure a lot of people have heard it. Um, this military veteran, um, giving a talk about making your bed. Um, and that being the first thing you do in the morning, like if you do nothing else, make your bed. And I love that. I connected with that so deeply, um, because the idea of action for me is one of the most important things, um, in life. And I mean, nothing happens without action. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's, that's the biggest thing. I think just, if you realize that there's changes you need to make in your life, take some kind of step forward every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that it doesn't have to, I think a big part of it is it right. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be the exact right thing because by doing it, you're going to figure out if it's the right thing or not. And from there you can say, okay, that totally wasn't the right thing to do, or that's not me. And that gives you more information to get closer to yourself. Right. But if you're just like, like you can't, you can't just think your way through life or think your way closer to, to being yourself. And whether that is, the simple action of making your bed or the big action of moving or a big action of like taking, you know, starting like a hiking um, goal. Like I have, it's just like, Hey, I'm intentionally going to hike by myself a mountain yep. every week for the next 20 weeks. You know, it's, I, I, I love that. I love that you're encouraging people to just like go because you're not going to feel ever feel hundred percent ready for whatever it is that you're doing. Nothing's right. ever going to be completely perfect. And it's, that is we like feeling comfortable. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a practice of helping people get closer to their intuition, right? Instead of being up here, like all in the headspace, it's like, okay, I'm leading with my heart. I'm leading with my gut and I'm just going to fucking do it. Um, That is super important. So yeah, everything, everything (laughs) that you've shared in the whole conversation we've had is so beautiful. I feel like we could do like three other podcasts. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I'd be totally down um, because we still need to talk about medicine. So I know know. we didn't talk about that today. Maybe we can do that in a different, um, we can do that in another episode. Um, especially as I, so just for anyone who's, cause you weren't there obviously when we weren't recording this, but we were starting to chat about, um, we were starting, starting to chat about like medication and the use of that, like for, for mental health treatment and, and starting to talk about the, the, the journey of using other plant-based, um, plant-based products, like, CBD, like like microdosing, marijuana, yeah, psychedelics. Um, And I think that'll be a conversation for, yeah, another time because I'm diving more into that as well. And I'd love to get a little further on my journey before we have conversations around it. But um, (laughs) Zach, where can people find you, reach out to you? What's coming for you next that people should know about? Tell us all the things. Oh my gosh, so many big things. I'm very excited right now, actually. Um, Speaking of taking steps and making progress, um, you know, um, so you want to find us, look uh, us, I say us as in the organization into the dark blue, um, go to into the dark blue.com. Super simple into the dark blue.com. And then on Instagram, it's into the underscore dark blue, um, or just do a Google search for into the dark blue. It'll, it'll come up pretty quickly. Um, thankfully I'm learning that SEO, uh, 
strategy. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that's been a process in and of itself. But uh, but yeah, so it, it basically Google search Into the Dark Blue, go to the into the dark blue.com and you'll find everything we've got going on. Our podcast is there also on Spotify. Apple podcasts. Uh, and if you like the podcast, please feel free to leave a review. Cause you know, that's always helpful. Um, we also have a fundraiser going for our tour that's coming up in August. So we're going to be doing a two month tour of kickoff events with the breweries that we're going to be, uh, hosting men's groups at. And so we're going to be doing community events, uh, around the country and filming a documentary as well, uh, for just basically talking about the need for more, um, preventative mental health care, uh, for, you know, in the country. So in the U S so, um, and also making it more accessible. So people who don't have a lot of money can actually, uh, find some sort of mental health, uh, assistance. Um, so, uh, we're doing a fundraiser for that tour. Uh, we are a full 501 C three, uh, recognized by the IRS, uh, as a, as a, as a solid purpose for, for the society. So, um, oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> exciting and validating. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, but we're running our, our fundraiser, which is on the main page of the website. So if you are interested in contributing to what we're doing, uh, you can do that. Uh, we also have Patreon as well and all that. So, um, yeah. it, many ways you can support our cause for, uh, men's mental wellness and just helping guys to connect better with their emotions and learn how to deal with the struggles of life. Yeah. And so in your um, community, like your monthly chats, um, and as well in the community groups that you'll be having moving forward, is it also open to to women and people of other gender identities besides men. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so, yeah, it is open to anybody. We do focus on men's mental wellness just uh, because there aren't a lot of uh, places specifically for that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, suicide rates are two thirds men, I think three three quarters men um, that or even more potentially it's, it's astronomical, um, that just, uh, uh, the men that commit suicide every day. Um, and mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, so anybody is welcome. Um, and so even if you just want to understand your partner better, uh, um, by having conversations with other guys, that's totally fine. Um, and then we also have, you know, um, guys in the community who are trans and, um, mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. So absolutely come join us. Yeah, that's awesome that it's so inclusive um, and that the work that you are doing is very, very much needed. And so I've been honored to have you as a guest on the podcast. So definitely go check out, go chat with Zach. Um, That sounds so good. Go chat with Zach Um, and go find him at Into the Dark Blue. Just find that anywhere. And we'll have links below for all of that. Um, And yeah, thank you so much for listening to all the listeners. Um, And thank you, Zach, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Awesome. See you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much for joining in on this episode of the podcast. I would love for you to screenshot it, share it on Instagram and tag me at jessica.stephanie16. Feel free to also send links to your friends and family, anyone who should be listening to this podcast. Also feel free to connect with me, email me. You can message me directly on Instagram to chat about the podcast or anything else. And there's also an option in the link below at the bottom of the episode description for you to voice message me on Anchor and ask me questions. Let me know what you're liking about the podcast or what you want to see. I would love to hear from you and I can't wait to connect. 